From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Sunday, October... I've lost track of what day it is. It is the 11th, 2020. Danny Flecka joins us in his weekly spot and been doing this with you for probably five years. I've had you on, I've had our mutual friend Catherine on, I've hosted a podcast for 13 years. I can't remember the last time I have come on the air and not known what to ask because as this morning has proved with the Pats positive test, the Titans positive test, I'm not sure what is going to happen and what game will be rendered moot five seconds from now. Um, This is truly unprecedented times for people um, trying to figure out what games they're going to watch, what games they're going to bet on, what games or players are going to play in fantasy or survivor pools. This is completely unprecedented. Yeah, and this week... I think the last, what is it now, been almost 12 days or so um, since we we got the first initial positive test in the Titans. It's been very sobering, I think, from a perspective of just how intricate feelings are between people nowadays. Um, you know, they're, they're going through tests every single day. People are coming up negative, negative, negative. Boom, one positive, you're shut down for two days until you can produce other. You can produce a full round of negative tests. And it's again sobering that this is, you know, a microcosm of what this country has been dealing with for the last seven and a half months. And granted, it seems like, at least on the NFL side of things, they have the luxury of having tests given every single day to their employees to get those results back right away. A lot of the general public doesn't have that luxury or that ability, um, but it's just been very sobering just to understand that, you know, despite your best precautions and your best intentions that, you know, it's, it's something that really is not in your control and you are relying on a lot of moving parts to get something done. And in a normal time, relying on somebody moving hard to get something done is hard. It's only been exacerbated by what's been going on in the last seven months. Um, you're in Boston. Jason McCourty uh, came out yesterday or the day before. Again, I've lost track of days. And was not happy with the NFL, with the Players Association. Didn't think they had their best interest um, at heart. You see the Cam Newton positive test. They still play the game in Kansas City. Then Stephon Gilmore tests positive. And here we are, what, five days later, and somebody else on that team has tested positive. Um, What's the vibe, considering that they played that game when we know the incubation period could be days, um, not just hours, um, for this disease and that you can test positive for COVID 
days, five, six days after you were first infected with it. Yeah, I think you've got people that are saying, shut it down, shut it down. You should never have played in the first place. Um, you have people that say, you know, follow the protocol. I think I'm on one of those, I'm, I think I'm on the follow the protocol side. And I can understand where Jason McCourty is coming from and how he feels that, you know, maybe the game last week should have been postponed and the, and the Pats could have had more isolation between them and, you know, their teammates and maybe prevented some future spread. I think it just goes down to, again, like, this is the reality that we live in. This is what we have to deal with. And, and you are dealing with something that a lot of people have dealt with for numbers of months, you know, healthcare workers, um, the essential workers that have, um, you know, been working out there, like in grocery stores, delivering packages and stuff like that, not to mention people that work in factories, you know, the, the protocols that they've been following to shut down when they get tests, you know, putting tens of thousands of people out of work for, you know, days on end until they can get back in. I think that argument to me right now isn't sufficient enough to say that, you know, the NFL isn't keeping players safe. They had the opportunity to opt out, right? So they were given that chance. They understood the, the, the you know, dangers of this disease and, and what it entails and, and how the incubation period works and, and the contact you have to have to maintain to, in order to get infected or the distance you have to maintain in order to stay clean. So I think it, it, it comes out to an individual basis. And again, there's a lot of moving parts. So you as an individual, have to always be aware and put yourself in the best possible situation and hope that everyone around you is doing the same exact thing. And unfortunately, we've heard it before, and we'll keep on hearing it. The stance where we're normal again, the teams and the players and the individuals that manage this, these protocols the best, they're going to be the teams that come out on top. And just because your team is coming out on top doesn't mean you have to be kind of a sore loser about it, but... Maybe you have to talk to your teammates and be like, hey, we're living this now. We see the dangers. Let's be a little bit more careful. Danny Flecker with us on uh, Teeing It Up. And I just want to say that I feel bad for Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Derek Mobley, Bill Bennell, and the entire ABC Saturday Night Football crew that flew um, uh, through the night to Foxborough and was going to um, um, uh, okay Adam Schefter saying there are no other positives in Tennessee um, or New England and that the Broncos Patriots game is indeed next Sunday um, for those two teams that were supposed to play uh, tomorrow night. I feel bad for that whole crew that was going to cover this game tomorrow for Monday Night Football through, uh, through flew the night, flew through the night, was scrambling to get ready um, for the game on short notice and now loses that game off their slate. Um, so now you are a fantasy or gambler. And I'll ask you the same question that I asked you last week, Danny, which is, especially for these non-Monday um, uh, game, uh, sorry, these non-Sunday games, if you have Drew Brees on your team, if you have Josh Allen 
on your team or the Bills defense. Um, if you have Derrick Henry, um, what do you do? Because you're staring at these games and it's like, all right, wait a second. If a Pats Monday test came back, what does that mean for the Saints? And if I'm this Tuesday game that's on CBS, what what does that mean? Um, I, I'm comp- I, I don't know what I would do if I was one of these fantasy or gamblers. What's your recommendation to those out there as to what to do? I mean, it's tough. You know, I, I was this morning got up, saw that there was a positive test. I was like, okay, let's see what the NFL decides to do. The NFL, you know, I went out, did my stuff this morning, um, went for a run, came back, thought the game was postponed, and I'm like, okay, well, now I'm kind of out of luck because, one, it's a Sunday. Two, you know, the waiver wire players have been picked up, and, you know, there's no other opportunity really to get any other sort of um, players that you might need. On top of that, you know, with a Thursday game already taking place, you may have... Um, already have players that you could have swapped in that are no longer eligible or, you know, for instance, in one of my leagues, we have a weird setup where you're able to have two quarterbacks play, but one of them is assigned an offensive player, so you could really play anybody in that spot. I played Nick Foles in that spot, and um, I had to lock in my other quarterback spot because I have Matthew Stafford on a bye. So now I have nobody to pick up to play in his spot. And I think that's what a lot of people have to deal with, right? It is a scrambling situation. You are hoping that you have somebody on your bench that you can plug in and play or you can say, you know, for that week that you can, like, keep somebody available to you that is going to be playing at a later date that can maybe be plugged in. So, for example, you know, one of my leagues, I moved around players that way. In my flex spot, I have, you know, Michael Williams from the Chargers. But I also have on my bench, you know, Derek Henry. And so if that game is definitely happening on Tuesday, I can plug in one of those guys and take out Michael Williams tomorrow and not be any worse for the wear. But I think the one thing I've noticed this year, and I, I didn't take too much of uh, too much attention to it when I was drafting my team, was like the diversity of players that you need on different teams. If you're a player that has like one or two patch players, like two or three patch players, or two or three Titans players, or two or three Bills players, you know, you've kind of been scrambling the last couple of weeks in that situation. So you're just hoping that you have something that allows you to be able to be competitive for that week. And if not, then, you know, you have to go with what you have and maybe hope that you strike, you know, strike lightning with a player on your bench. But it's tough, and and there's no really other way to go about it. You just have to kind of take the punches. Just like the teams are, you have to do the same thing. Talking to Danny Flecker here on uh, teeing it up with Jeremy Schilling. Um, all right. Let's talk about things that have already happened. Um, already happened. The Yankees lost. Um, and look. The offense went cold in a great pitcher's duel. And Aroldis Chapman gave up a homer for the second straight time. The Miami Heat fought back. And kudos to that whole squad led by Jimmy Butler. But the key play from the role players, the key shots from the supporting cast, 
that enabled them to get that win and force tonight's game six. And then everything that happened in college football yesterday. Um, I don't know where, where you want to go with this, but just, you know, stuff that's already happened. What has stood out and what do you want to touch on here? Yeah, so I've watched, I watched very little of the Yankees series. I watched the end of game five. Um, you know, another disappointing exit for the Yankees. I thought, you know, from what I saw there, I know Chapman pitched a lot on game four and then game five. You know, they, they threw him back out there and then they kept him in. Don't know if I would have done that, but, you know, I, I haven't watched enough of the Yankees this year to really comment otherwise. The one thing about the baseball situation that I didn't understand was, you know, how they set up their schedule. No off days for any of the teams really didn't make any sense to me. Um, but, you know, again, I, I, I've really kind of checked out of baseball this year. The basketball side of things, I was watching a little bit of the game five the other day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, give, give, like you said, give kudos to the Heat. Like, they made big-time shots. Um, I think the Lakers had a little bit of a brain fart at the end of game five. You know, LeBron had that pass to Danny Green. They got the rebound. And I think if you're um, Marquise Morris, or I don't know which Morris twin that is, but you got to throw that. It shot was Marquise, yeah. So... I think that's hap- that happens sometimes when you play on a team with a player like LeBron, right? You, you expect them to always have the ball at the end and take that last shot. You find yourself in that situation. You're taking, you have the ball in your hands with like three seconds left, and you sort of panic a little bit. We saw it, uh, you know, a couple of years ago too with the Cavaliers, right, and J.R. Smith. I think that, that kind of set in there. And, and at least, you know, from a fan perspective, when you have the ball in your hand, the last possession of the game or the last shot of the game, you just want a shot, right? You just want the opportunity to have the chance to potentially make, you know, walk off. And the Lakers didn't get that opportunity the other night. Um, so I think they're kicking themselves for that, and we'll see what they do tonight. But I was kind of impressed yesterday with some college, uh, the college football games. I thought there were some good games on yesterday, some big upsets. Um, I think we're seeing more upset this year given the environment we're in. You know, LSU went down again yesterday. And, um, you know, we're, we're seeing some of the struggles that they've been going through. Um, but, you know, the Big Ten starts in two weeks. And, you know, we're going to have a full play of college football in like three or four weeks. So, it was, um, it was happy. It was, I mean, I was happy to watch some of the games yesterday. I thought some of them were really, really good. All right, Danny. Um, now it's time for the NFL. What do you like and what don't you like today? So it's interesting, like you mentioned, you know, you see the board at the beginning of the week. You see how things go go throughout the week. Games getting taken off, take, you know, put back on, taken off. You know, the Jets game was almost in question. They took that game down and they put it back up. So, you know, from a gambling perspective, I think you're doing a lot of your betting on Saturdays and Sundays when things are a little bit clearer, but there have been some games this week that have not had any sort of issues that I'd like. Um, so one of the games I think you can find some value in this week is Carolina versus Atlanta. Um, just think Atlanta's a mess right now, and Carolina's been been pretty good. You know, besides their first game um, with that bad play call, fourth down and one, when they were losing in the last two minutes of the game, they played pretty tough. You know, they went out to San, uh, L.A. and beat the Chargers. Um, they won last week. 
they play tough against the Bucks, and I think that the Panthers right now are a team that are being undervalued, and I think that Atlanta is being overvalued here. Even though it's only like two points, I think Carolina is straight up on the money line. It's a good, a good bet this week. I um, also am a fan this week of uh, the Steelers. You know, Philadelphia, they were able to pull one out last week um, against a, a you know, third-string quarterback, really, at the end of the day. They were able to make some big plays. They also needed a big stand at the end to, to win that game. Um, but I think Pittsburgh, with the week off, with the, their defense, their offense looks to be go, get, looks like it's um, figuring things out. And I just think that defense is just too much for Philadelphia to overcome. They just don't have enough players that are going to be able to provide any type of explosive plays against against that defense. And then the later games, I think there's some good value, too, with, like, Miami against, um, you know, San Francisco. I think that line is eight or nine. Um, again, Miami's been playing pretty tough lately. Um, they were a little inefficient last week against the Seahawks. They definitely had the opportunity to cover in that game. Um, and you go on the road to San Francisco against the team that's getting some players back. But, you know, with those types of injuries that they've, they've suffered, um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo on a uh, hobbled ankle, you never know. And I think having at least a little bit of that doubt, to me, gives Miami some value at plus eight. They just have to keep the game close and, and hope that they can maybe, you know, stay within a touchdown or so of that, of that 49ers team. And, you know, you can look to a game like the Giants and Cowboys. The Cowboys are... Getting eight points. Uh, Giants offense has not been good at all this year. We saw what they did last week. There was a double-digit dog against the Rams team that, that presented some challenges to teams from the offensive side of the, side of the field. Um, I think that you know if there's any if there's a week that the Giants are going to get on schedule on offense, it's this week. And I think you're going to see two desperate teams playing each other. And I think that's going to mean that the game is going to be pretty close. So I think I would take the Giants too this week. By the way, just one NBA note, um, and I was reminded of this just as I was looking at it. Um, Jimmy Butler basically had a hand in every point that the Heat scored in the last three minutes. He was 12 for 12 from the free throw line. Um, LeBron James, who is a notoriously bad playoff free throw shooter, was four of six. He dropped 40 points, but he was still four of six. He missed two free throws. All that stuff matters. If you're watching that game six tonight at 7.30 on ABC, watch for LeBron James's free throws, especially early in the game. Um, major, major factor. Uh, one question about the Giants defense. You've called them awful all, uh, sorry, the uh, Giants offense. You've called them awful all year, is there anything with Saquon being out? Is there any silver lining that you're going to get a chance to see blank player become the focal point for Daniel Jones, or is this just a lost season at this point? I, I, I mean, from a lost season perspective, I think you think qualifies. They're not making the playoffs. You're looking at another top five pick for this team. I think what you're looking for is just, again, the natural progression of the players that they have in, in place. You know, their offensive line, can they get any sort of rhythm going? Can they develop any sort of run game, you know, you know, in the next 11, 12 weeks? You know, what about Evan Ingram? I've been hearing about this guy for four years now, and I have not seen one thing that has left me impressed about what he's done. And, and he's supposed to be that mismatch that they have on that offense uh, from the tight end position. 
Darius Slayton, you know, is he going to be able to replicate some of the success he had last year? And again, Daniel Jones, can he not turn the ball over? Can he make smart decisions? You know, last week in that game against the Rams, that their defense kept them in there the entire time. They had the ball. You know, granted, they had to score and get a two-point conversion to send the game to overtime. But you're driving down the field. You make some big plays. You're scrambling outside. You have an outbreaking route with the defender underneath, and you throw the ball behind the wide receiver. You can't have those plays. You either got to throw it outside where the receiver is going to make it, or you run for uh, a couple of yards, step out of bounds, and then play the next down. We really need to see him progress a bit because I've been really disappointed with what I've seen so far this year. I thought that like the fumbling and the decision-making would be a little bit crisper this year. It's not there. I don't know if it's a new system, and he's trying to get get that you know get used to that. It could be the off season, whatever it is. I'm not going to make the excuse anymore for him. I'd like to see him today and, and moving forward just be a little bit crisper with his decision making ability, and not hold on to the ball and, and, and take sacks and not you know have that opportunity where he's, he's uh, going to be making negative plays. So there's no there's no things they can do to build up build for next year. They're always going to have an uphill battle this year, but I'd like to see some more positives, especially from the quarterback position. What will happen first? The Jets get a win or the Washington football team will come up with a name? I think the Jets get a win sometime soon, right? <laughs> Definitely. I don't know if it's going to be this week with Flacco, but I, I think the Redskins aren't going to get a team name. I'm mean, sorry, the Washington football team aren't going to get a team name until next year, so... Unless the Jets go 0 16. They could. The Jets. They could. My dad wants them disbanded. Uh, I mean, the Jets are going to be in an interesting spot. I think so are the Giants and, and some other teams, too, depending on where the draft falls. But, you know, you have some teams that are playing really poorly this year, like the Lions, like the Jets, like the Giants, that have, some, that have quarterbacks right now. And you have one stud right at the top there, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Jets, Giants, Lions, Jaguars, those teams approach the rest of this year. Texans, too, you know, they're 0-4. Uh, well, they don't even have a first-round pick this year. Whoever has that first-round pick, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they all approach the potential of being in that top three of the NFL draft with quarterback prospects like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields when they have, you know, pieces already in place. That's a good point. And let's just briefly touch on this for 30 seconds. What, uh, Houston felt like um, a, a complete crap show from a, a front office perspective. As somebody uh, like yourself who would love to work in an NFL front office in your dream world... Can somebody be a head coach and a GM in this world in, in, in modern-day 2020 NFL, or are there just too much responsibilities and you need one or the other? I mean, we've seen Bill Belichick do it for numbers of years, and his coaching ability has never been questioned. Uh, his GM ability at times does come into question, but you know, when you look at the way that they've been competing the last 20 years, it's really hard to say that he's done a bad job. He, he figures it out, and they just have superior coaching. Um, but from like a Bill O'Brien perspective, I think that's just an issue. Like he's just not 
that guy. And, you know, I think sometimes these coaches think that, you know, somebody's always out to get them or that they want them fired or whatever it is. I just think Bill O'Brien, he, he got what he wanted. He did really bad things with that power that he got, and he deserves every single little thing that happened to him. And I think, obviously, when you are someone like Bill O'Brien, you have that stuff come up in the public, you know, the, the power struggle you have with, like, the GMs that were in there. Then you go and you trade your best wide receiver, you go and you trade your, all of your assets for a left tackle, and you're losing. And you know, you know, I, I mean, aren't you? How are you not surprised that someone like JJ Watt then says that he's a, like a dummy, right? Like calls him out. It, it was to be expected. So you can't have that power. Then go 0 and 4, and in the meantime, dismantle your team that has like no potential for the future because there are no assets and no no players that fit your system. Danny Flecka, thank you, um, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up in the Weekly Spot. And hopefully this podcast is not rendered irrelevant in the next uh, two hours. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it is. It's crazy out there. Thank you, sir, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. No problem, my man. Have a great day. You got it. Same to you and same to everybody else out there. Have a good Sunday.